Welcome to the Body Beautiful Christian Podcast. Hey, beloved of God, are you ready to learn how to pray prayers that shift realities in the spiritual realm? Well, get ready, because in today's episode, we'll be diving into the motivation behind our prayers. Have you ever caught yourself praying revenge prayers or praying from a place of offense where your prayers reflect more of your hurt than God's heart? I think we've all been there at some point, but the Lord cares deeply about the position of our hearts. So in this episode, we'll be looking at how to pray from maturity rather than immaturity, blessing our enemies rather than cursing them, releasing unforgiveness so we can pray for others' best interests rather than just our own, and examining what spirit we're partnering with in prayer, offense, manipulation, or the Holy Spirit. Get ready to discover the power of praying from forgiveness rather than hurt. Our prayers become so much more effective when they come from a heart that's aligned with heaven. Body of Christ, it's time to grow up and shift realities through our prayers. Well, hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to the Body Beautiful Broadcast, where our purpose is to beautify the body of Christ, spirit, soul, and body. It's time to get the bride prepared for the return of her soon coming king. Well, I'm Minister Allegra, and I'm always so happy and excited to be here with you. And of course, I'm excited to be here with you because of who is here with me. He is my favorite person and my best friend. He is the most important person on this earth. He is none other than Holy Spirit. Glory to God. He is the host of the show and I am his co-host. Hallelujah. Well, if you are joining us for the very first time, we like to take this time to welcome you in the name of the Lord and to thank you for joining us. And we pray that you will be blessed. If you are a return listener, welcome back, guys. We're always so thankful that you have made us part of your teaching routine. All right, everybody, grab your Bibles, your pen, papers, pencils, tablets, whatever it is that you use to take notes, because we're going to get into this teaching. But before we do, let us pray. Father in heaven, we glorify you, God. We magnify you. Hallowed be your name. You are the almighty God. You are the unshakable king of the unshakable kingdom. We thank you that your word is an unshakable word, is the infallible truth. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for this time that you have brought us together to hear what it is that you have to say. And Lord, I pray that each of us have ears to hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying to us at this time. And we also have hearts to not only receive your word, but to act on your word and be doers of your word, Lord. Father, I thank you for the anointing that is on me, the anointing that is on this teaching. Holy Spirit, I yield entirely to you. Speak freely and I will only speak as you give me utterance. So Lord, I thank you that this teaching shall go forth and I decree it shall go forth unblocked and stopped by any demonic force in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. All right, guys. So we are in this segment manipulation and witchcraft. We've been on this for quite a while and just, you know, digging deep. But the part that we're in right now is where we're talking about witchcraft prayers, manipulating prayers. Our text comes from Romans chapter eight, verses five through 14. I'm not going to read the whole thing. 
Um, out of the Passion Translation, it says, those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue the, what benefits themselves. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. Verse 7, in fact, the mindset focused on the flesh fights God's plan and refuses to submit to his direction because it cannot. For no matter how hard they try, God finds no pleasure with those who are controlled by the flesh. Okay. And then our other foundation scripture comes from Galatians chapter five, verses 19 through 21. And again, we've been reading those out of the King James, the Amplified and focusing right now in the Passion Translation that reads the cravings of the self life are obvious. The uh, sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, of course, that's idolatry, manipulating others. Okay, and I'm going to stop right here because when we read that in the King James translation, it, um, it uh, lists the works of the flesh. Um, that particular one is witchcraft. In the Amplified translation, it lists it as witchcraft and sorcery. However, in the Passion translation, it lists it as manipulating others. Okay. And so we've been defining manipulation as the act of manipulating someone in a clever or unscrupulous way. It's an abomination of God because bottom line, it goes against the will of God because it's, it's partnering with covenant breaking or oath breaking spirits that come against the word of God for your life and try to get you to manipulate you um, into doing, speaking and acting in a way that will cause you to come into covenant with something ungodly. All right. So we've been focusing heavily on that and the different ways that it shows up. And so right now, again, as I had mentioned, we are, um, in this place of witchcraft prayers, these manipulating prayers, and these are controlling prayers, um, prayers, controlling the spiritual realm to get what you want. And, you know, essentially to God, it's no different than casting spells. And so with these manipulating prayers, you're praying against the will of God. Okay. And so why are there, you know, why are people praying, manipulating prayers? And again, I'm not talking about occult prayers. I'm talking about what's happening in the body of Christ. And these are the things that God is wanting us to focus on. Cause a lot of times we unwittingly do things and open the door, you know, um, for, uh, for the enemy to attack. Uh, without realizing, without realizing it, we come into agreement with things sometimes without realizing it. And so that's why we're going through all of this line by line and really taking our time with it so that we can sit with the Holy Spirit and have him help us to identify where this is active in each of our lives. Okay. And so, um, you know, as we've been looking at these prayers of manipulation, we've said that prayers, um, prayers of manipulation are typically prayers of your own desires, which originate in the soul and not from the heart of God. Okay. Um, some reasons that we pray these prayers is because sometimes we just don't know the protocols of heaven, or sometimes we're misappropriating scriptures. Okay. And so, you know, we, we went through that. We covered that the whole, you have not because you ask not. And you ask when you ask, you ask amiss. 
Um, the reason why we're asking amiss is because of what our motivations are, what's really in our heart. God is always looking for things that he's always looking for the position of our heart. Okay. And so where we last ended on this, you know, um, was talking about how, uh, when Jesus was going to Jerusalem and, uh, I'm sorry, Jesus wasn't going to Jerusalem. He was going to, uh, where was he going? <laughs> oh my gosh. It's in Luke chapter nine, verse 51 through 56, but he has sent the disciples out. I think it was in Samaria. I think that's what, where it was, but he was, um, he had sent out, um, the disciples to let them know, let the people know that he was coming. The people didn't come and John and James were both offended. It. And they were like, Lord, let's call down heaven upon these people. And Jesus said to them, you know, not what spirit you are of. And so we were looking at that. And so what was happening is that these guys were offended. Jesus said that uh, the son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Right. And so when we start looking at the prayers that we are praying, right? We need to understand where they're originating from. What spirit are we of? Are we coming into agreement with spirits of pride, with the spirit of offense, with the spirit of rejection, with the spirit of rebellion, right? Or are we praying the heart of God? And so, you know, um, when John and James were wanting the fire to come down, like, you know, like Elijah called down the fire. These are two totally different cases here. So Elijah called down the fire to prove to these false prophets of Baal that God was a true living God, right? And that their gods, their little G gods were false, right? And it was to bring the nation of Israel back into alignment to a place of repentance and brought back into alignment with the will of God and with the plan of God, right? And so it's entirely different than, you know, than what they, what John and James were experiencing with Jesus. Okay. Cause again, these two were offended because the people didn't come out to see Jesus. All right. So we must be aware of what spirit that we are coming into agreement with. Okay. And so as we look at this, right. Um, Hmm. Yeah. So we want to make sure that our prayers are not prayers for revenge that are birthed from offense and pride. And so when we pray, we must always pray standing in forgiveness. We never want to pray from unforgiveness because what happens when we are in unforgiveness, we will not pray for the other person's best interest. We will pray out of our own interest and desire. Okay. One more time. When we are in unforgiveness, we won't pray for their best interest, for the other person's best interest. We will pray for our own interests and desires. So that means that we'll pray from our feelings, right? So there's this phrase, um, cause I think there was a song that was out where people say I'm all in my feelings, right? 
The Lord wants us to get out of our feelings. When we are praying, we are not to be praying in our feelings. We are only to pray the will of God, the heart of God for others. Okay. And so the question that I place before you is, can you pray for someone who's wronged you as if your life depended on it? That's a question. Can you pray for a person who has wronged you, someone who has severely wronged you as if your life depended on it? And so let's just make this, let's just slow down a little bit right now and make this interactive. I want you to take a moment right now as you're listening to me and think of a person who has wronged you. It could be anybody, right? Write that person's name down. If more than one people, people's names come to your mind, that's okay. Write their names down. And so the question, can you pray for that person or those people as if your own very life depended on it? Selah. And now, so I said, can you? Will you pray for those people on your list as if your life depended on it? It's easy a lot of times for us to say, can you pray for that person? Oh, yeah, I can. Okay, now will you? That becomes our choking point. One of the hardest questions that I've ever asked people is if they are willing to see their enemy or the person who's wronged them the most as God sees them. And are they willing to pray for that person from that position? Not out of the place of being hurt or wounded, but are you willing to pray for them as God sees them. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 44 through 48, Jesus tells us to pray for those who persecute us. So that's your assignment between now and the next time we come together. This episode is sponsored by Beautiful and Beloved. Hey, Beloved, Are you ready to realize your value and beauty in the eyes of God? Introducing beautiful and beloved daily affirmation cards, your daily reminder of your worth and beauty to God. In a world that constantly bombards us with unrealistic expectations and unattainable standards, it's time to reclaim our divine identity and silence the voices of doubt and inadequacy. Each of the 31 beautifully designed cards in this deck features a powerful affirmation rooted in scripture, reminding you of God's unwavering love and his perception of your beauty and worth. Inspired by the scripture Song of Solomon 4-7, you are altogether beautiful, my love, and there is no flaw in you. These cards serve as a daily reminder of your inherent worth and the truth that you are indeed 
beautiful and beloved in the eyes of God. So what are you waiting for? Pick up our beautiful and beloved daily affirmation cards today at www.thebodybeautiful.org. Now, let's get back to the episode. Hallelujah. How thankful we are to the Lord for teaching such as this that help to bring us, help to open our eyes to the things of the spirit, help to help us to open our eyes even more and open our understanding even more to the ways of God and the true protocols of the kingdom of God so that we really can be those carriers of his glory and releasers of his glory. Hallelujah. So Lord, we're just so thankful for that. And so as we're talking about this, we're, you know, this series of manipulation and witchcraft. We're in this segment where we're talking about manipulating prayers and I guess I'm calling it, you know, not what manner of spirit that you are of. And so that comes from um, Luke chapter nine, verse 51 through 56, where, you know, Jesus um, and his disciples, they're, they're going, Jesus is going to Jerusalem, but yet he sent his disciples ahead of him to Samaria, to the land of the Samaritans to let them know that he was coming and they didn't come out. And so James and John were incensed about this. And they were like, Lord, call down the fire upon them like Elijah did. And Jesus rebuked them and said, you know not what manner of spirit that you were of, for the son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And so we need to understand when we are praying and when we are decreeing, what manner of spirit are we of? What are we partnering with? Especially as we're talking about these these prayers of manipulation. And so for those who are just joining us, our foundation scriptures for this come from Galatians, um, Romans chapter five, or yeah, Romans chapter eight. I keep doing that. I call it Romans chapter five, Romans chapter eight, verses five through 14. Um, where it talks of those who are led by the spirit of God or the sons of God, and we're not to be led by the flesh. We're looking at that in the King James Amplified and the Passion Translations. And also from Galatians chapter five, verse 19 through 21, where we're looking at the works of the flesh and going through each one of them one by one. Again, in the King James, the Amplified and the Passion translations. And so where I'm not reading them today for um, time's sake. So please make note and, you know, and study them out on your own time. So in Galatians five, um, chapter 19 or Galatians chapter five, verse 19, where it lists out the works of the flesh in the amplified or in the King James translation, it lists witchcraft In the Amplified Translation, it calls it witchcraft and sorcery. And in the Passion Translation, it lists this as manipulating others. So this is where we're landing so that we know clearly how we're showing up. 
and what we are partnering with. And so we're defining manipulation as the act of manipulating someone or something in a clever or unscrupulous way. It goes against the will of God and it causes us to um, come into agreement with oath-breaking or covenant-breaking spirits spirits of deception that are coming against the word of God, um, for our lives. Okay. And so, you know, as we're looking at manipulating prayers, these are controlling prayers that are praying against the will of God. And for the Lord, in many cases, it's no different than casting spells. And again, we're not talking about occult prayers. We're talking about you know, prayers that, you know, people within the body of Christ are praying and think that they're okay. And so in this place where we are right now, these prayers of manipulation, we are really landing on this portion of forgiveness and unforgiveness. Okay. And so when we were together last, I gave you all an assignment and hopefully you, you're, you've done it or you are doing it. And the assignment is to ask the Lord, right, for the names of those who have wronged you, those who have wounded you in whatever way, right, those who have done wickedness towards you, and then to pray for them. I ask the question, can you pray for that person as if your life depended on it? And not only can you pray for them, but will you pray for those people as if your life depended on it? Because what happens when we are in unforgiveness, we won't pray for people for their best interests, right? We will pray out of our own interests and desires. We will pray out of our woundedness and we will pray from our own feelings. And so... Jesus asked, Jesus says in Matthew chapter five, verse 44 through 48, that we are to pray for those we're to love our enemies and we're to pray for those who persecute us. And let's actually go there right now. Matthew chapter five, verse 44 through 48. We're going to take our time in this portion right here, because I know the Lord has been wanting to get to this whole forgiveness, unforgiveness thing for a while. And so we're going to sit here as long as he tells us to. Amen. (laughs) All right. So the gospel of Matthew, chapter 5 verse 44 through 48 I'll start it out in the King James and then I'll read it in the Amplified and it says Jesus is saying but I say unto you love your neighbors um, love your enemies (laughs) love your enemies bless them that curse you do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you that you may be children of your father, which is in heaven, for he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them, which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your father, which is in heaven is perfect. Okay. So now I'm going to read those same scriptures out of the amplified translation, Matthew chapter five, verse 44 through 48. But I tell you, 
love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Okay, he's not giving us an option here. This is a command. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. To show that you are children of your father who is in heaven, for he makes his son, for he makes his his son rise on the wicked and on the good and makes the rain fall upon the upright and the wrongdoers alike. For if you love those who love you, what reward can you have? Do not even the tax collectors do that? And if you only greet your brethren, what more than others are you doing? Do not even the Gentiles or the heathen do that? You therefore must be perfect, growing into complete maturity of godliness and mind and character having reached the proper height of virtue and integrity as your father is perfect. Okay, let's look at that again. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you to show that you are children of your father who is in heaven. So how do we demonstrate that we are children of God? by loving our enemies and praying for those who persecute us, okay? Now, why is this necessary? Because as we're doing that, right, we are demonstrating that we are growing, come down to verse 48, we're demonstrating that we are growing into maturity, into complete maturity of godliness in mind and in character, okay? Now, if we are to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us to show that we are children of God, then if we hate our enemies, right, and we despise those who persecute us, then who are we showing that we are children of? Who are we, whose kingdom are we demonstrating? Whose ways are we demonstrating? Okay, we need to examine this. So if we are growing in complete maturity of godliness and mind and character, right? If we are wanting to reach the proper height of virtue and integrity as our father in heaven, then we need to do as Jesus says and to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. All right, so here's another question that I have for you that's gonna lead us into the next session when we come together again. Your enemies, those who have wronged you, those who have wounded you, those who have hurt you, those who have spoken ill about you, have despised you. Not only can you pray for that person as if your life depended on it, can you truly bless them will you bless them and not how we do in this in the south oh bless your heart and we know that that's <laughs> really kind of an insult but can you pray the blessing of god on them all right my friends now it's time for the selah moment 
This is where we pause for a moment to think about what we just covered and apply the wisdom that we've just unpacked. So in segment one, we unpacked a challenging but critical truth of praying from the heart and not from hurt. We must be aware of our motivations and alignment when we pray, or more plainly put, we must be aware of the spirit behind our prayers. So let me ask you this. Have you ever caught yourself praying out of a place of offense or woundedness rather than maturity and forgiveness? I'm sure that in our journey with the Lord, we have all done it. But thankfully, as we allow ourselves to yield to the leading and guidance of Holy Spirit, he will let us know when our heart is not in the right position. It's so easy to pray manipulative or controlling prayers that reflect our own soulish desires rather than being led by the Spirit. But scripture calls us to a higher standard and we're instructed to pray from a heart that's aligned with God's heart and not our own agenda. So we must ask ourselves this question, how can we shift our perspective when hurt and pride distort our prayers and color our view? First, we need to grow in maturity by checking the real motivation behind our words. Are we praying for God's best interest in the situation, or are we simply wanting an outcome that benefits us? Secondly, we should always pray from a position of forgiveness, not pain. It's vitally important to release any unforgiveness in our hearts and intercede for others from God's point of view. And this includes praying for our enemies and those who have persecuted us. While this can be extremely difficult and very challenging, it's the assignment, rather the command that Jesus gave us. And as we release offense and woundedness, our prayers become so much more powerful and effective. It's time to rise higher in our prayer life. Let's pursue maturity and forgiveness so our prayers shift realities in the spiritual realm. So here are some thoughts to consider. One. What are some ways that I tend to pray out of my soulish desires rather than being led by the Spirit? Two, do my prayers ever come from a place of offense or hurt towards someone? And how can I shift to pray from God's perspective? Three, what practices can I implement to change my motivations before praying? And how can I grow in maturity in my prayer life? So let's take a moment to reflect on our motivations in prayer. Are there any ways we need to shift our perspective to align more closely with God's heart? May we grow in maturity and forgiveness, releasing offense so that our prayers are empowered to, re to shift realities in the spiritual realm. Okay, so in segment two, we continued this deep dive of checking the motives of our heart by understanding the need to check the spirit behind our prayers as covered in the first segment. We must learn to be keenly aware of the motivation and alignment behind our prayers. And we see that in Luke chapter nine, verse 55, Jesus sharply rebukes James and John saying to them, you don't know what manner of spirit you are of when they wanted to call down the fire of God on the people who didn't come to see Jesus teach. It's far too easy to pray from our feelings of offense, rejection, or woundedness rather than first seeking God's heart and perspective. But, but scripture gives us clear instructions. 
We are to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us, according to Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. This means speaking blessings over them, not curses fueled by our pain. Jesus himself modeled this on the cross when he prayed, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do in Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Praying this way exhibits our growth into maturity and Christ-like character as we become more like our heavenly father, as noted in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. When we refuse to forgive and insist on praying out of bitterness, we partner with demonic spirits of offense and deception in others. But when we pray for our enemy's blessing and best interest rather than our own, we actually align with the Holy Spirit's leading and the heart of the Father. This in some case, as mentioned, can be extremely difficult, yet it is the assignment and command that Jesus gave us. As we release unforgiveness and offense, our prayers become so much more powerful. So it's time to rise higher in our prayer lives and let's pursue maturity and forgiveness so that our intercession shifts realities in the spiritual realm. So here are some things to consider. One, what's the motivation behind your prayers? And do any originate from soulish wounds or offense? Two, are you praying for the best interests of those who have hurt you or more for your own interests? Three, What shifts happen when you pray blessings for your enemies rather than curses? Let's pursue maturity and forgiveness in our prayer lives. And as we check our motivations and pray out of love rather than hurt, our prayers become so much more powerful and effective. And God's supernatural power is unleashed through prayers prayed from a heart that's aligned with his. Okay, in the next segment, We'll look at the power of praying in forgiveness, understanding that growing in maturity as children of God and in prayer is not always about how long you pray or how often you pray. It's more about the position of your heart when you pray. Unforgiveness actually blocks God's power and forgiveness in our own lives. Jesus makes it crystal clear, whenever we pray, we must first forgive others and release any offense we're holding against them. As we let go of offenses, it makes room for God's power to flow freely through our prayers. And when our prayers come from a heart of forgiveness rather than hurt, they become so much more powerful and effective. So let's choose to bless those who have hurt us and watch what God will do. All right, let's move on to the next segment. Are you ready? Let's resume. We have landed on forgiveness and the importance of forgiveness, okay? Because we do not want to pray prayers for anyone that are revenge prayers that are birthed from offense and pride. We do not want to pray prayers that are birthed from woundedness and brokenness. We want to pray the will of God, the heart of God, the blessing of God. And so all this week we've been, um, you've had homework and I want you to continue in that, um, where, you know, where I've asked you to sit with the Holy Spirit and identify a person or persons. It could be multiple people 
who have wronged you, who have wounded you, who have done wickedness, who have despised you, right? And to pray for them, right? Can you pray not from your feelings, but can you pray the blessing of God on their lives? Can you truly bless them? Amen. All right. Because um, we were also saying that when we're in unforgiveness, we won't pray for people's best interests. We'll pray for our own interests. We'll pray for from our feelings. Okay. And so we looked at Matthew chapter five, verse 44 through 48 in the King James and in the Amplified translation, where Jesus gives a command. It's not an option. It is a command, everybody. Okay. He says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I'm reading out of the Amplified to show that you are children of your father who is in heaven. So again, if we want to demonstrate that we are children of God, like Jesus, right? We must love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. All right. For God makes his own son rise on the wicked and the good and makes the rain fall upon the upright and the wrongdoers alike. For if you love those who love you, what reward can you have? Do not even the tax collectors do that. And if you greet only your brethren, what more than others are you doing? Do not even the Gentiles or the heathen do that. You, therefore, must be perfect growing into complete maturity of godliness in mind and character, having reached the proper height of virtue and integrity as your heavenly father is perfect. And this is what I continue to hear the Lord say, church, body of Christ, it is time to grow up. It is time for us to grow up. It is time for us to mature in the things of God. It is time for us to mature in godliness in mind and in character. We must always demonstrate that we are children of the most high God. If we say that we are his, then we must do so. We must operate as that. Amen. Amen. And so forgiveness is one of those things. Let's go to Mark eleven twenty four, verse 26. Okay. Mark eleven twenty four. Verse 26, and this is a very popular one because we hear people um, recite this quite often, right? Especially if you come from word of faith, I believe that I receive, amen? <laughs> Mark eleven twenty-four. Now I'm going to read that to you, verses 24 through 26 in the Amplified translation, and then I'm going to go to the Passion translation. All right, so Jesus says, because it's in the red, for this reason, I am telling you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe, trust, and be confident that it is granted to you and you will get it. 
Okay, so remember how, you know, a few times I was talking about, you know, the misappropriation of scriptures, right? We pray certain prayers and we're like, I believe I receive and that's done. Okay, we need to look at the full context of what the scripture is saying. And so when you look at verse 25, all right, I'm going to read 24 again. For this reason, I am telling you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe, trust, and be confident that it is granted to you and you will get it. And he goes on to say, and so that means that he wasn't done with what he was saying. There's a continuation. And verse 25, whenever you stand praying, not sometimes, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him and let it drop, leave it, let it go in order that your father who is in heaven may also forgive you your own failings and shortcomings and let them drop. Verse 26, but if you do not forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive your failings and shortcomings. I'm going to read through this again because it's important. Remember how I said the other day, we are going to take our time with this. God is saying that the church has to grow up. The body of Christ has to grow up. This is that sharpening. This is that, you know, part of the maturing process. For this reason, I am telling you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe, trust, and be confident that it is granted to you and you will get it. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him and let it drop, leave it, let it go in order that your father who is in heaven may also forgive your own failings and shortcomings and let them drop. But if you do not forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive your failings and shortcomings. What does that say? It says whenever, not sometimes when you stand praying, whenever you stand praying. If you have anything, not some things, if there is anything that you have against anyone, not a certain person, anyone, you need to let it go. You need to stand forgiving. Forgive them. Let it go. Let it drop. Leave it. Forgive. Be done with it. Because here it lets us know that we all have failings and shortcomings. And if we want God to forgive us of our failings and shortcomings, we need to forgive others. That's it. All right, guys, we're going to pick up at the next broadcast. Until then, remember, you're beautiful to God and you're his beloved. Be blessed. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Body Beautiful Podcast. But before you go, there are three quick things that I want you to do. First, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for new episodes every week. And connect with us here and on our social media platforms to keep the conversation going and share with us your journey and testimonies. It'll be so awesome to see you there. The quick links are right here in the show notes. 
Second, don't be a stranger. Head on over to our website at www.thebodybeautiful.org and join our community of kingdom bodybuilders by signing up to be a part of our exclusive mailing list. You'll be the first to know about upcoming workshops, events, exclusive merch, and all the latest buzz related to the Body Beautiful mission. And finally, while you're at our website, don't forget to pick up a copy of my latest book, Beautiful and Beloved 31 Day Day Devotional. It's the perfect way to help you embrace your beauty, value, and worth to God and know that you are truly His beloved. And that's at www.thebodybeautiful.org. Well, that's it for now. So until next time, guys, always remember that you are beautiful to God and you are His beloved. Be blessed. Thank you.